This is Mona Lisa Baseball. This just reminded me that I was at your house, and this is maybe in, we'll just say about 10 years ago, and you witnessed something, and you said, I have a feeling that you're going to think this is really interesting. Let me talk to you about it. And we had a brief discussion about it. Uh, do you have any idea what tree I'm barking up? Okay. So you said, um, guy throws pitch, batter swings, batter hits ball off pitcher's head and it whatever caroms into the outfield for a single and it was a glancing blow it wasn't like hitting square and going back towards the batter it was a glancing blow that ended up in the outfield and the announcers started to talk about it's only a matter of time until helmets are required for pitchers and so you brought this is maybe one of our original baseball um debates in a way and i didn't know your stance at that time towards uh, safety, non, non-injury, that sort of stuff. And if I can remember right how we discussed it, you were on the side of the announcers, which is like, why wouldn't, it's not going to make the pitcher any less than for wearing a helmet and protecting his own life. And so, yeah, they ought to require it. And probably what my stance would be, which is quite similar to what it is now, which is, hey, if a pitcher wants to wear a helmet, for sure, let him wear a helmet. It's I don't a, think there's a rule against it's it. It's a dangerous position. But to make pitcher wear helmet, to me, uh, takes away from what it means to be a pitcher. And if you are an intimidator and you're like, I don't give a rat's ass if you hit a ball at my head, you won't. You cannot hit me. So there's something in the mindset of, yeah, I'm willing to take that risk because I'm better than you. And that's the mano a mano thing that... I love about sports. Well, what do you think about Barry Bonds's elbow armor? Oh, that's such a good topic. Um, I believe that you should not be allowed to wear that. Yeah, that bothered me too. Yeah, it's, it was embarrassing. Yeah, because he, one of the ways that he was so successful is he was really quick on the inside pitch, and so he could move his feet towards the plate, cut off a few more inches, and then almost make the pitcher throw outside. And the thing about Barry was he could take it out opposite way. So if you're going to start throwing him outside, he is he was good enough to know where you're going to throw the ball. And he had enough time to hit the outside pitch really hard somewhere. And so it, it was part of his entire scheme for batting. And why other people... Were, weren't wearing them is is kind of puzzling but very few people if any crowded the plate more than he did oh yeah and people don't really do it but i don't think i i think that part was the unfair advantage the which armor. is the armor the armor's not fair because if you're going to crowd the plate what you're telling the pitcher is i don't care if you hit me on some level you're saying that and Anyone can say, I don't care if you hit me, if you have a suit of armor, you know, it's, you know, think about like the jackass guys that take, you know, <sighs> what, what is it? Rock salt guns to the, they hurt themselves professionally is what they do. Listen, we don't have to get specific, but if they wore a big piece of armor, who gives a shit? Like it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have mean, the same entertainment, it doesn't mean value. the same thing. So when Barry gets uh, plunked in the elbow, <laughs> for crowding the plate he would just stand there he wouldn't move he would just let it hit him 
Yeah. He would just it just hit there. And that to, that's not baseball. Because <laughs> yeah. the the old gentleman I used to work for that had gone to the uh <laughs> racist Wrigley Field, yeah. um, he was telling me that when they tried to get Willie Mays to wear a helmet, when it was becoming the rule, you know what Willie's answer was? Why would I want to wear they can't hit me. <laughs> He's he was, too fast. He was too fast. Yeah. That's how we felt about yeah. a pitch a pitcher can't. He's right. Pitcher can't hit me. Yeah. Like that's a, a moot point. You're never gonna hit any part of my body. So that should be part of batting is knowing that you may have to dodge a pitch. And so, you know, jamming your feet in right next to the plate and crowding it means you might have to take some pain, but yet you have the advantage. But that's an important part of being a ball player is the toughness threshold. Mm -hmm. You have to be tough. I used to think about not sliding because my knee still had a scab that got ripped off from Tuesday's game, which started the week before. And it's like, well, maybe I don't want to steal a base. Is that going to make me a better player? Or is the better player going to be like, I give a rat's ass about the skin on my knee. Mm -hmm. There he goes. He's safe. He puts on armor. Knee armor. So putting on armor isn't, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I kind of can't believe they allowed it. And I also can't believe that I ha I don't see it more often because people don't really crowd the plate. I don't think I've seen any other batter take a pitch and not flinch even a little bit the way that he would just get hit and be like, ah, okay. Yeah. Free base. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> everyone else like, they try to get out of the way or maybe they move, they zig when they should have zagged if they get hit. But, you know, usually the guy tries to move. Yes. Yeah, some there's some, there's some flinch there. Not just like not, not very much. Wouldn't even doink. blink. He wouldn't even blink. <laughs> Think. Take the base. Yeah, you hit me. I'm yeah. a badass. I have the highest on base percentage in the history of the game. Yeah, I would say his single season on base percentage record. Um, I would be willing to. Good luck. I think I'd be if I had to make a bet with my life on the line, a record that won't get broken. <laughs> all of sports, I think, or baseball, I think I'm going with that one. That one, that's okay. That's a good pick. I like that. I because I believe it was around 600. R run that number through your head. A 600 on base percentage. You got to break it down with all the walks and, and everything. But I would. What about this? Um, wouldn't it be great if we asked other people what they think is like an unbeatable record? Yeah. Like, yeah. unbeatable record. Get, yeah. What do you got? Go. And everyone's going to have a different answer, I sure. think. Uh, well, maybe a few people have half Barry. the audience Some says Joe DiMaggio, yeah. Oh, Joe, Joe DiMaggio hit the streak. streak. Yeah. That one's kind of <sighs> known as the ultimate never be broken, but... Yeah, I think it's breakable. I, I, did, I think, let's see. If they keep changing the rules and banning the shift and stuff, I do think it's breakable. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I had a an old uh, baseball book that this was around the area uh, era of garbage pail kids where you go to the grocery store and at the check stand they're selling a book and then also accompanying accompanying stickers and so the book is set up for you to go through your pack of 10 stickers and then place them on the design spot so each team had a page you know the Twins, the Giants, they all had a page for their upcoming roster year. And me and my sister collected those. I remember these. And, okay. I, and I collected them too, yes. Oh my God, I wish I still had mine so bad. 
but I don't. And I have, I have some, I've got, I've been so swept away with, uh, you know, remembering this that I have no idea why I started talking about it. Damn it. <laughs> well, collectibles is a big part of baseball and you know, the history uh, of the deep history of baseball is what one of the reasons why baseball memorabilia and collectibles have so much mm-hmm. value. Mm-hmm. And so I heard that, uh, the Honus Wagner card got purchased most recently. Yeah. And you're talking about the most expensive baseball card in the world. Right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So this, uh, whoever wrote this claimed there might be about 60 in rotation in the, in the world left. Uh, but there's one that's sort of the crown jewel. And that's the one that uh, Wayne Gretzky bought with his hockey owner about 30 years ago. And this was humongous news that a baseball card sold in the 90s for somewhere around 400000 So maybe a month or two ago, I read a story that says Honus Wagner card sold 480000 And I went, wow, that turned out to be a horrible investment. I don't know the stats on this yet. I'm just thinking hmm. it might even be the same actual card that Gretzky bought. Maybe he sold it and I'm going, that's not a good return on your investment whatsoever. That's nope. actually... That's your, you lost money that on that You one. lost money on that. And then I find out later, it was ripped in half and <laughs> like completely chewed around all corners, but it was one of the 60-ish oh, that existed. Okay. So it might have been the worst version of the Honus Wagner, but still fetch almost half a mil. Yes. Yeah, so we can then infer by that that the mint condition card is probably not a bad investment then probably worth 10 10 20 30 times more what a yeah, I was dog thinking, shoot up version yeah worth. several million probably well good because then um if that were the case then that would definitely be pointing to the demise of baseball if baseball cards lost their value then you that's when you know it's over mm, yeah well when they, baseball cards start dramatically going down okay, in value well, they started to for a while yeah well I they've mean, had they ups just, and downs like, i think COVID actually helped it yeah. Where people started getting into collectibles more. People were bored. People were bored. And Buying like, oh. stuff on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. This other really interesting th- thing happened in the last couple weeks. Uh, my girl came home with a library. I say rental. We don't pay anything for our uh, DVD rentals from the library. Yeah, they're free. Those are free, but they will ding you a quarter a day for every day it's late. <laughs> So don't bring it back late. Yeah. Uh, don't be late to the ball game and return yeah. your DVDs on time. No kidding. So my girl comes home with half a dozen movies and one of them is Moneyball. And she goes, I think you should watch this again because of the show. And I'm a little torn. <laughs> uh, I'd seen it before. We'll say maybe five-ish years ago, and I appreciated the movie for what it was, Yeah, but <laughs> I'm fully aware that what analytics, how much it has changed the sport. And so I was on the fence, but I followed her advice and we watched it again. And so maybe I want to pass it over to you now. From what you remember of the movie, <sighs> is there anything that you want to ask me about movie, in terms of... Movies are great entertainment, but it's not a good way to be informed on a subject. For example, the mm-hmm. A's did not invent the new form of analytics. This was not right. just like one guy right. played by a movie star and where the music's swelling and he's like, oh, I figured it out. I got the new metrics. It's like, that's movie bullshit. And so I think what Moneyball did is it brought attention to 
this aspect of baseball and a lot of it was a popular movie a lot of people saw it It had brad pitt in it right yes it did look how cool for billy bean the representative of me happens to be (laughs) brad pitt i don't know how interesting is it for bay area residents and people who live in other markets too, where you can root for the American League team or mm. you can root for the National mm. League team. I know what we a, ha- we've had that our whole what lives. A luxury. We've had that our whole lives, but these teams operate very differently. We talk about there's two different kinds of baseball teams. That is very much on display here in the Bay Giants Area. Giants are in the middle. Yep. Well, I would put the Giants on the very on the high end. I, they're, Higher end. When middle, you're talking maybe? about, when, I usually do a short list. I go Yankees, Yankees, Red, Red Sox. Sox, Dodgers. Yeah, but I mean, right under there are other teams, including the Giants. And the but Giants, the Giants aren't in that highest echelon. They're below it, but maybe not that far below. They don't. They don't go over the line ever, and they're never. They're very rarely in the. They're up there though. They're way up there. Okay. They're Top- Five or six, maybe? Depends on what year you're looking at. Depends on how many years you're looking at. Because Uh you should probably look at this in like seven to eight year chunks. Because teams go through what they consider to be rebuilding phases. And then they don't spend that year on purpose. And then they spend again. Whatever. It's it's all very complicated. But the Giants are on the top end of that. And the A's are on the very bottom of it. Possibly the On purpose. And so... Certainly on purpose. And I dabbled with being an A's fan. You know, when the Giants were breaking my heart, we had Barry Bonds. Uh, There were a lot of problems. I dabbled in being an A's A's fan, but... I've seen you in an A's fan. The problem... Yes, you have. But the problem with becoming an A's fan is the minute you fall in love with a player, he's traded immediately. Like, it's guaranteed. So harsh. It's guaranteed that the best player on the A's is going to be for sale. Okay. Every single year. That, that, you bring up a great question. Who is the most decorated athletic that played his entire career in Oakland? I cannot. The closest thing that I can think of is Ricky, but I don't think he played his whole career in Oakland. He went to the Yankees. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Started there. Uh, they couldn't even hold him in the eighties. No, they they have never. I can't think of a single guy. I mean, maybe bad guy. To back when go. they were in Philly, they they were well. But they, baseball was different. People would play their whole career, and that's a good thing and Reserve a bad thing. Flaws, yeah. Some of the ways that the these players were controlled by the owners is diabolical. Like yeah. really oh, people, bad. So many people got so screwed. And by the, that. it's yeah. so much better now that the players have more agency. But it's also so much worse that the they don't yeah. stick around for teams. Damned I don't know if you yeah. do. Damned if you. Because don't. it's just bad for it's bad for kids. You know if you, how. You're taking your kid to A's games. They're going to fall in love with Tejada. They're going to fall in love with these amazing players. And then they, with they get, they get traded, you know, very, very closely. I mean, Tejada is a really good example or, or like their first baseman they just traded this year. It's like, you know, oh, he's good. He's gone. Is it the same Because owner? he's good. He's going to be gone. Exactly. As far as you know, is the A's owner that was in Moneyball still the A's owner or did he ever sell the team? I have no idea. I don't either. But boy, how smart was he? In terms of if if baseball is a business, mm-hmm. which gets thrust in my face all the time, and, you know, we talked about escalating values of teams, and we could just say, I read a stat recently that 12 of the 30 teams were valued at over $2 billion. Okay. How much money has this guy made on the A's by playing this cheapest version of the sport? I don't know. I mean, his investment must be up hundredfold. Maybe. Maybe. So good for him or shame on you, you're helping ruin the sport. Well, like consider, let's say he was making jelly beans, right? When you make jelly beans and you make them out of cheaper and cheaper materials and you make the box out of like lamer Uh and lamer Uh (laughs) stuff, it's like now it's black and white. It's wrapped in newspaper. Yeah. Um, Nobody's buying your, they're not buying your jelly beans anymore. 
Okay. In Major League Baseball, you get money just for being in the league. Mm -hmm. And it's been said that if you remove the luxury tax, you remove some of the profit sharing, the teams like the A's just go away. Instead, the A's are talking about building a new beautiful stadium. They've been talking about that for so long. I know they have. You're saying they're as close as ever? I think that's a true statement. They are as close as they've ever been. Like, like things are moving in Imagine that direction. How cool Oakland would be. Well, I definitely definitely go to some games there to go to go check out the park. Not yeah. no doubt would yeah. go to be there to check it out. I think I sure. would too. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been to A's game in very, very, very it's long time. It's been a while time. since I've gone. Yeah. You know who I was yelling at on the first base side was Mo Vaughn when he played for the Red Sox. So I think that's the last time I went in the nineties. Did <sighs> he did not acknowledge us, by the way. <laughs> And we were second or third row. We'd, we'd snuck down in the late innings. I can't believe the old people around us allowed us to keep 14-year-olds thinking they're being funny, yelling at the players. Uh, I just cringe at the thought. I really liked Move On. And that's why the ushers have to do their job. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The humanity of the kids. Yeah. Well, maybe you Shut were. Shut up, kid. You're not funny. <laughs> maybe you were just a little bit funny. Maybe just the tiniest. I don't remember anyone saying a word. Maybe and, maybe oh. after two beers and some popcorn, you were just the right amount of funny for a ball game. No one wanted to see uh, me under two beers at fourteen. That's for no, sure. No, for the other people around you, because they're the people who could have got, excuse me, ushered oh, these I children. Um, yeah, I, I got they you. tolerated you. Yeah, they did, or they just pretended to ignore you. <laughs> It'll be you want to see people having fun at the ballpark. You know, yeah. that's why you go. Well, I guess maybe that was part of it. Was they saw the glee in our faces sitting third row? Yeah. Close enough that Movon hears my voice. You know, the same guy that I collect his rookie card. And, mm-hmm. you know, it went up 40 cents last month. And yes, I'm going to be rich one day. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like when I was yelling game over at Gagne. Like we had seats right along the, the right behind the Dodgers dugout, you know, by the bullpen. It's so great. There, There is something really intoxicating about knowing the person you're yelling at hears you. Yeah. Whether they acknowledge you or not. Well, I got my whole section to do it. Yeah. And I, I know up in the booth, they're like, oh, you know, going game over again. Yeah, you really blew the save. Like, and, <laughs> and it's a great moment. Great moments in fandom. But I would never do that now because I'm older, you know? Yeah. Being being rambunctious. Yeah. But here's the thing. When people stop doing that, the vibe of the ballpark is different. And have you really ever been to a game where... A fan that was near you was so obnoxious that they definitely made the experience worse or yes, not worth going to. So absolutely. It, okay. At San Francisco, there's so many people who don't understand what's going on. It's difficult if you're sitting next to somebody who is like, okay, I'll give you an example. Last game I went to, it was windy at Pac Bell Park. Uh, the It was partially cloudy. And the wind was blowing from home plate out to center field. And in such a way that it was like cloud, not cloud, cloud, not cloud, cloud, not cloud. Mm-hmm. Really, really difficult uh, visibility. And the sun was, you know, it was a day game. Okay. okay? Center fielder just he drops a fly ball. Okay. He just drops it. And people around me are like, whoa, I cannot believe this is a professional ball. But they just <laughs> couldn't believe it. They're like, fire this guy immediately. Send him back down to the minors. And I'm like. Look up, you guys. Look, this is really like I, I dare you to catch a fly ball in, the, in this yeah. sky. And people are like, oh, oh he's a professional, professional athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you know? You're just a guy sitting next to me. I'm like, yeah. oh, I played baseball. Yeah. So it sounds like this was a guy on the Giants. I couldn't imagine a worse sky. You know, we're talking right. like 
never seen a worse baseball sky. Wind's blowing. And you know, in that park, the wind swirls and, and everything. Guy misses, guy, guy misses a fly ball. And this is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's yeah. a giant. And they're like, send him back to the minors. And I'm just like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, but they're they're probably not standing up. But I had I felt I needed to say something to this guy. I turn around, I'm like, yeah. dude, look at this guy. This is like it's amazing that they're catching more that they're not missing more of these. And he's just like, ah. Yeah, but ah. but while you're annoyed that the guy was probably a moron, this didn't make your experience worse because you still remember this. It made my experience worse. Because <laughs> Because him and his because, friends were like, fuck this guy. And it made me feel like yeah. I should have said nothing. And it did. It did make this. It, it, it ruffled, made me feel uncomfortable. It ruffled your it, I didn't like it. Yeah. No, I didn't like it. But w- was the was the fan obnoxiously yelling at the he, Yes. He was also fielder? obnoxiously talking to his friends about how this guy should be sent back to the minors because he doesn't know how to play baseball. And I'm like, well, you don't know how to play baseball. And let me put it this way. If it was a big fat guy smoking a cigar and he's like, yeah. That would have been great. That would have uh, baseball guy. And he goes back to reading the paper. You know, like mm. that's what I want. I don't want. I don't want some jackass. You know, who doesn't understand the game. Well, you got to move to a baseball town. Talking to his girlfriend and her friend um, about how they need the UDH and and they can't can't wait till for next year when when they, when there's more action in the game. What about the EH? <laughs> <laughs> what about the FH and the BH? Yeah, yeah. I know. What are we even talking about? Yeah. Anymore? Why? Why does the shortstop have to hit? Are you serious? Like, the, are you kidding me? If the pitcher doesn't have to hit, why does the shortstop have to hit? Come on. What are we doing? It's slick. Don't you want more offense? The slopes are slick. <laughs> slopes are slick this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. The. But basically, all I'm hearing is that you want the fans to be educated, but I don't know. Once. I, you know, once it became okay that you bring out the family to the ballpark on some level, and I'm not saying that's wrong on any level, but you can't expect the person next to you to be as educated. But you, you learn from example. So the first person that takes you to a game should teach you the etiquette. Couldn't and, agree more. And you just learn. And you, you it's like going to church. Like, you don't go to church wearing Bermuda shorts and a Walkman. You learn from example that you yo, wear yo, where's the wine clothes. At? Yeah. <laughs> Where are those wafers? I'm hungry. No, that's not how you go to church. And people just learn this. This is what you do. And baseball is like that. People should have something of a reverence when they go to a game. You want to bring your family? That's great. Get seats up in view. Get seats out in center field. That's great. Yeah. Great. Teach your kids how to watch the game. Yeah. But I mean, that's nobody's fault except the owners encouraging, bring everyone out so that we can fill the seats so that I can pay the players. I mean, it. I don't see any way around uh, making the fans better fans than just making the sport perform at its best possible. Good quality competition. I mean, you brought up recently the the idea of tanking. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've thought very little about because when you're an athlete and you play for teams and you feel what it feels like to win and you feel what it feels like to lose – Sometimes you have a hand in the win and sometimes you have a hand in the loss. I took losses really tough and you couldn't get lower stakes. I mean, these are teenagers playing a game and yet I could go home and sit in the car for an extra two hours wondering how on earth I went 0 for 4. 
how on earth did I let this happen? And I would assume that every athlete has that same feeling, but I wasn't playing for any money. I was playing for the fact that I loved the sport. So once you're playing with for money and as a job, I guess you naturally can't think of it in the same way. It's kind of the same argument where people say, I don't like watching the pros. I like watching college basketball because these kids are actually playing for something. You know, you can get the sense when people are playing really hard just because. But I have a friend that we'll talk about in the NBA. Do you think they're really going to, you know, stand in the lane and take a hard charge or like hack the shit out of a guy charging the basket when you're going to go for drinks with this guy after the game because you're both worth 80 mil? Probably not. And yet it seems like you and I are drawn to sports for that feeling of this person is laying it all on the line for this love. And like we connect with that. That really yeah. means something. And I, it's probably the same reason why Pete Rose is such a um, – oh, what's it called when you are you split people on both sides? It's controversial. Pete Rose is somebody that one person at the same dinner table could say, I want my son to play ball like him. And that guy's brother across the table is saying, this is the last person on earth I would want my son to emulate. He's polarizing. Polarizing. Thank you. He's like uh, Vibe Magazine put out a um, an entire copy of that month or week's magazine on Tupac right after he passed because they said, we've never done this before, but we have never received so much mail in favor of someone and hate mail at the exact same time. And there's something about that that told us, let's dedicate a whole issue to this person because for whatever reason, this guy's worth talking about. Pete Rose has kind of crept into that same realm of most the hit king. People know him as the hit king. And they also know him as the guy that's not in the Hall of Fame. So it will always be an interesting debate. The gambler. But when you got really upset that he took out a guy in an all-star game. Yeah. When you watch the play... He didn't actually hit him that hard. Hold on, hold on. You could go through YouTube and type in what I've never seen one, but most egregious hits on the catcher before oh, they changed yeah, the rule. Yeah. And this one is pretty mild on that. But the 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 precision of the hit hit uh, Ray Fossey in a way that it changed his career. It was never the same. He sh- P Rose should should have hit him too hard for an exhibition game. I'm just saying. But he also, he hit him in a kind of a weird spot where if he would have been an inch sure. probably any other way, right. it would have been like, hey, and the National League team wins. And if Ray Fossey hadn't been such a beloved player, people wouldn't care as much. But yeah. because of who he was and because of uh-huh. who Pete was and because of what happened later, you know, people look at that as one of the reasons why it's like, hey, Charlie Hessel, not all, not always not an exit. Well, I got to say, he's one of the favorite things about the A's because he turned out to be a wonderful announcer. And I think he's still in the booth. And he spun a successful big league career into a, a a really good broadcasting career. You could say the same for for you know Dwayne Kuiper. Yeah. Uh, Mike Kruko. There's something about polarizing anything that makes more people pay attention. Right. So uh, one of Yankees. the Yankees. 
love them, hate them. Right. When when your kids and somebody's teasing you, uh, it might mean because they have a crush on you. Because yeah, right. And so we sit here and we bag on baseball and talk about how stupid these rules are. It's because deep down we love it. Absolutely. And we actually feel like what's happening will make something great worse. It's getting plastic surgery on a face that's already perfect. Yeah. Or beloved. Yeah. Not even perfect. Doesn't have to. Yeah. It's just beloved. I don't like those duck lips. They, I think they're disgusting. You know, I agree. So ugly. I've seen fake eyelashes that are just out of control, ridiculously stupid. I don't know how anyone thinks this is attractive. It's like you, affect the wind meter. It's, it's just so fake. Well, it's it's all it is is um, attention grabbing, and I've I've heard, you know, women will talk about oh men love that because, and it's like, did you see that man's swivel head to see that woman with X, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that X might be? Yeah, and I'll tell them. Attention grabbing and loving something are two really different things when it comes to attraction, uh, what what it is that you're attracted to. And you might have your attention grab, but that's not necessarily something you want in someone. But, you know, how many things out there can grab your attention, but at the same time you go, not for me. Yeah, there's a you know, whole... You like an accident. There's a... Right. A car Rubber, accident. Rubbernecking. Clickbait. You're like, oh... What, you love car accidents? You go, no, I'm interested in whatever the hell's going on over here. <laughs> yeah, and some of these... mean you're for it. Some of these women with all this work and all that makeup quite literally are like train train wrecks, yeah, car, you, car accidents. Right. You look and you go, Jesus. I look and I go, I feel so sorry for you that you feel the need to do that to get attention. Like, you're... <sighs> but then your girl might... The girl you're walking next to might grab you and go, oh, that's what you want? And, and you of go, course no. not. Of course not. It's not what I want. Yeah, imagine if you walked into a room and just there were a bunch of guys with no pants on. And she's like, oh, you like those boxers? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, no, there's a man with no pants here. It's shocking. Right. (laughs) And that's what women are doing all the time with all the cleavage and all that stuff. It's like like walking in a room and suddenly there's a guy with no pants. Okay. Well, what's the difference? All right. Well, why why do you think the Mona Lisa has stood the test of time? Why do people Mm. still stand in line to look at it? It's the the subtlety of her expression. Subtlety. Subtlety can capture our attention for centuries. Yep. We're still mystified by that. And they're removing the subtlety from the game. We're we're all these rule changes are taking the game and making it dumber, making it flashier, making it more attention grabbing. Yes. What's funny when I reheard some episodes and I hear myself say the word nuances more than once, it makes me sound so boring, but yet (laughs) I stand for that so much when every year the world series doesn't have to be as memorable as 86 because that is important. If things are more rare the greatest moments will stand out more. And I think that's the sweetest things in life. Do you want every day to be the greatest day of your memory in your life? That sounds nice. The shot heard around the world. Yeah. Why? Exactly. Because the Giants won like 40 out of 45 to do it. It was unlikely. And only when you play a bunch of games yep. and have a bunch of seasons, do you have the shot heard around the world? I believe they started. Giants win the pennant. They started the ninth inning down whatever it was two or three runs and they scrapped together a rally and hit a home run in a stadium 
that was 475 to center. Okay, so say that stat. Force it. No, no one could hit it out of that park. A home run to to win to send you to the World Series in that park. That's amazing. The thing is, it was like 260 or 280 down the lines. So it's pretty rinky dink. However, no one's calling 475 to center rinky dink. So this amazing thing happened where Ralph Branca, the pitcher, you can't throw that guy inside and allow him to pull the ball. Where it's only 280, he threw the wrong pitch. He threw the wrong pitch. But we're still talking about it. Do you think Ralph Branca on his deathbed was saying, I really blew it in this life? Or was it, eh, fuck it. I lost the game. Boy, it would have been easier if I would have uh, struck him out. (laughs) But I had my ups, I had my downs. We can't really live a life of all ups. You know, take a um take a take a classic alcoholic that's like, I don't want to feel the misery. I'm gonna drink from the second I wake up till bed to live an elevated life and fuck it, right? Do you think that person is gonna live into their old age, or is it like kind of burning candle at the at both ends? But there's a price to be paid for everything. You have to have highs and you have to have lows. I think we've kind of proven human existence. That's just how it is. But yet, when I talk to a friend of mine about changes in baseball, you know what his answer is? Yeah, home run derbies are cool. Mm. Home run derbies are cool when they're once a year. Mm. If every game's a home run derby, do you really tune in for it? Is it really that interesting? I think Major League Baseball is wants... Yeah, I mean... I. I see the Yankees even, in. even when the Yankees have no outs and a guy in second, they're still swinging for the fences. Yeah. I don't understand this. That's not baseball. It, it's a version of baseball, but it's, it's not my favorite. You know, I like, I love the fact that Ozzie Smith was good enough with the glove to be an eighth hitter for a playoff Cardinals team. I love that. But, once you start making the point that we could have 30 Aussie Smiths playing defense and you can get highlights where he dives for a ball and bare hands it at the same time and hops up and throws the guy out, but you don't make him bat. That's not a ball player. That's, that's a, and I hesitate to even say it's a shortstop because a shortstop has to bat. I know, but if the pitcher doesn't have to bat, it's the exact same argument. Why does a shortstop not have to bat? It's so how long exactly till we start hearing the that? Same. I'm, I, Next I just year? heard it for me. Yeah, I know. You heard it for me because I'm just trying to shine a light on how stupid this is that the pitcher isn't batting. What's next? Yeah, the, that, the EH. Exactly. I, I, I mean, think wh- that why not? Is next. Why not? Okay. Um. How about this? Mm. This can't be too far away. Um. Designated runners. You yeah. want more stolen bases they in baseball? Do, they do. They, well, they're going to make bigger bases. Let's so throw on the fast. Let's throw on the fast guy. Who wants to watch Movon run? You know, I always hear that about Big Poppy. Oh, you want to lose the great years of Big Poppy from thirty-seven to forty, hitting forty home runs? I go no, but throw him at first if that's what you want. Yeah. But is it really? 
you're just going to have, okay, let's talk about expanded rosters. So now you have a roster of 70 players. You have an all defense and an all <laughs> offense and an all like pitching football. team. But now you also have an all running team. Yeah. So you have six Ricky Hendersons on the sidelines ready at any okay, second. Okay, so here's how that'll start. They'll they'll start saying that the- and There he goes, any save. <sighs> here's how this will start. There'll be another Shohei Otani role that he doesn't have to run the bases. <laughs> To keep him healthy pitchers, enough, yeah. So pitchers, so he can yeah. Continue let's to make pitch, more rules just for Shohei. He doesn't have to run the bases anymore. You know what? Because we don't want to see him get hurt out there. You know what's cool about that is that when you told me the Shohei rule, um, I read it and thought, eh, okay, I guess they had to do something. I didn't think much of it, and then <laughs> when we started talking about it in person, I wasn't expecting you to be vehemently opposed oh, to it. It's and, a rule for one guy, and there it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh, no. No rules that affect one for one player. That's the worst possible reason to make a rule that I can even think of. It's heavy because band-aid. it benefits a yeah. single individual. Yeah. Okay, so if you break your leg, do you need one band aid or do you need about a million to replicate a splint? You know, that's what's going to be most effective. So, what you're saying, I think I hear, is you make a Shohei rule, there's a rule right behind it for the next thing that comes up. And the rule book goes from kind of small to a dictionary, or maybe there's volume A and B of the dictionary, or now there's a hundred volumes of the dictionary just so they can slap a rule on top of the last rule to keep some semblance of the sport. I've got the scenario right, right here. Hit me. Okay. This would be so awesome. Let's say you got a pitcher who is missing um, part of his, one of his legs. Okay. Remember we had Abbott, the guy who sure. had kind of one Jim Abbott, arm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Through a no really hitter. Really fun. Had to play in the American Threw League. Through a no hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Had to play in the Which American League. Which is nice League. to even have that I know, option. I know. Yeah. That's one of the things, you know, we've talked about having the, the DH and the AL segregated there. There was something that was okay about that. It appeases that. both parties. Yeah. If you're going to be hard-headed right. about one side or the other, but, you, but you let's, have But here's option. the scenario. This guy's got, uh, he's missing part of a leg or whatever. Or maybe his leading leg, but he can, he can still throw really hard. I don't know if this would work. Let's just pretend it does. Let's pretend, yeah. And they're like, well, he can't run. Mm-hmm. He can't run the bases. So we'll give him, uh, he gets a... Yeah, he gets a runner. I guess he. I guess this is ridiculous because he wouldn't hit anymore. I want. I want you to keep going though. He wouldn't hit anymore though. Did you know there was a major leaguer that was a uh, one arm swinger? What? Yeah. There's proof of this guy, and I guess he was halfway decent, but I think he was an exceptional outfielder. I think he had a big, booming throwing arm. But he only had one arm. He figured out kind of a Jim Abbott-esque way. Because you remember when Abbott would pitch, he'd kind of fold yeah, his mitt, grab the mitt into his arm. It was pretty pretty cool to watch. Pretty yeah. cool to watch. This guy had figured out the same way from the outfield to catch and then throw the ball with the same oh. arm. And he also, you know, there was no DH. Um, you, you couldn't substitute him even if you had Shohei on your team and had this guy in the outfield. And so he went up and batted with one arm somewhat reasonably, I guess. Wow. Isn't that incredible? It's inc- that is incredible. Maybe in the eighty years ago type of type of realm, but uh, yeah. the the human capabilities are incredible. Think how many times Jim Abbott was told, "Hey, man, you're really good, but it's just not realistic. You, you're not oh, going to yeah. ever make it to the top." I'm sure like so you many know that, right, that. Jim? And then he gets a no hitter in the And then he league. ends up with a, and I believe he pitched for the Yankees as he threw a no hitter. And really? I think he was at home. I think I know God, he was I hope with he was. the Angels. Yeah, for he a started long with time. the Angels. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So baseball card, um, reliving for Christmas. 
my mother, wonderful gift giver. She gives me a box. Um, gives me a box of brand new upper deck 1989 baseball cards. The whole box, yeah. The whole box. And then I think also at the same time, you, you had an option of, do you want the re- re- regular cards only or do you want the option of the rookies and updated cards? That was something that they implemented into their system. And of course, every kid had to have the updated cards. I need to have the updated cards. So she put kicked in an extra whatever it was, $20 to get me this box. I open this present. I'm beside myself. Okay. I'm way into Beckett price guides at this point. Mm-hmm. I think she included a Beckett price guide and maybe even a subscription for the year. Okay. This was the hottest shit on the market. Upper deck. It's not just tops and Fleer and Donruss and score. Now there's upper deck and it's the fancy. It's the cleanest. They had holograms on it. There were some holograms. Okay. Most expensively printed one. There were two cards worth $10 at the time of the box. You know who they were? Jim Abbott. Jim Abbott was one. You know what the other one was? Hmm. Let me tell me. One of the most sought after cards in baseball history because it was lightning in a bottle. It was card number one of the whole series. Card number one out of 780 or whatever it was. Ken Griffey Jr., Mm. 19-year-old, prospect, father, played for the Reds, was an all-star. This kid might even be better. Have you seen his swing? (laughs) Everyone loved his swing. They still do. I still do. If I kind of need a boost in my life, I might just throw on 90 seconds of Ken Griffey and go, all right. Can you tell me why he wasn't unanimously voted into the Hall of Fame? Supposedly, there was one writer who said no. One guy. One guy. And so, I'd like to know more of the story. I would love to interview that person and say, what is it about Ken Griffey or Ken Griffey's career that would make you say He's not a Hall of Famer. I bet he just had like a personal beef with the guy. It seems like that. What else could it be? How can you say that isn't a, but, instantly like one of the best swings in all in the history of baseball? Yeah, but okay, here's here's what I learned somewhat recently. It now it seems very obvious if you let's say that you're a sports writer and that let's say you're one of the 400 chosen that get to vote in the Hall of Fame. It's not just a Ken Griffey yes or no. What I've been told is you have to name like the top 10 if you could only choose 10 out of these 20 mm, nominees, okay. who's who's on your 10? And oh, so, this so this person could have said... He could have been thinking, oh, he's he's up for voting for the next 10 years. He's going to get in for he's gonna sure. He's going to get in anyway. I'm just using my vote. Okay, well, exactly. that makes sense. So, okay. All right. Well, that, that satisfies that curiosity because so, that is something you mentioned in season one, that it wasn't unanimous. To think that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. wouldn't be on your top 10 of whoever the hell was el- else was on that yeah. list is fascinating but that's the thing is that these writers might bring that and i didn't even think about that that humanity of you know what i think this guy really deserves it and he might not get in so ken you're fine yeah he's gonna get in let me use my vote yeah because i'm really concerned about this other guy ken ought to be cool with his 99.8 percent um yeah percentage and oh boohoo you didn't get 100 (laughs) supposedly only one hall of famer did get 100 can you name that player? Of course not. Mariano Rivera. Mm, okay. Supposedly. Yeah, but to hold the Hall of Fame in a sacredness above the actual sport, that's the most sacred thing is the sport. But yet people try to take other things and say that's the most important thing. 
and that when Mark McGuire broke uh, Roger Maris's record, that was basically put above the sport for a minute. And then, you know, no one ever talks about the ballpark that Roger Maris played in was a ludicrous Yankee Stadium. Right field was so short. Right field was so short and he was a pole hitter. And I'm and I'm wondering if Mickey batted behind him. Did mm. Mickey bat behind Roger? Or did Roger bat behind Mickey? Because that's a really important you question. Have Rich Aurelia year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But then Barry Bonds hit 73 in what's still considered the hardest park to hit home runs in, I believe. But he was that good. So he was that good, but yeah. nobody talks about that. Well, we talk we do. We do a little bit. But that's the point is who gives a shit about a number more than kids just looking at the back of baseball cards? Because, okay, how many how many people today know about Hack Wilson? Some, who cares, right? I looked at the back of a baseball card and I said, okay, that's not true at all. I never had a Hack Wilson baseball card. This guy played in the 30s, I believe. I looked at his stats and I go, wait a minute. What do you mean he had 190 RBIs in one year? And someone looks at me and they go, I don't know, kid. It was a different game back then. That's really fascinating for a kid. But does that mean Hack Wilson was the greatest RBI man in world history? It doesn't really. It was one year. So it doesn't make sense to crown him as one of the all-time greats because you have a number that you look at and you go, geez, well, even Manny Ramirez when he was putting up Stupid numbers for the Red Sox. He got 160 RBIs, maybe even 165. That's very seldom done. But then it comes out later that Manny was roiding. So it all works itself out, doesn't it? I guess. I guess. I mean, you can never stop everyone from cheating. And yet I hear this in your voice and I see it in your face that you hate it so much. You want it to be fair Life and baseball will never be fair, as much as we want it to. <laughs> but we can try to bend the arc towards fairness. We can, and video games achieve it all the time. Yeah. But that's a video game. It's not the real thing. The real thing is life. There is no every day is a happy day. It doesn't work like that. It can't. <laughs> it has to be yin and yang. It has to be. And yin and yang is what makes it the most interesting, I think. Well. As shitty as the lows are, when you are experiencing one of the worst days of your life, it's so shitty that you might even consider, is it even worth living tomorrow? Because it actually hurts that much. Is that going to impact the future greatest day of your life more? Or if every day was the greatest day of your life, would it feel like the greatest day of your life? Or would it feel like, man, I never want to die because this feels so good. You know what makes you feel that way? The low that you don't want to live anymore. That's it. That's the recipe. You have to hit the shits to reach the pinnacle. You have to. I think that's why drug addicts stay drug addicts. Is because you can see them and you go, you don't have any teeth. I mean, this can't be worth it, man. You're sleeping on the streets, but somehow they'll have these highs that puts them in a spot where they go, I can't give this up. It's too good. 
I'm not going to argue for being a drug addict, but what I'll argue for is you can't make baseball more perfect than it is by saying everything should be this and no one should get that and it should always be this. You know what? Fuck it. We don't need 12 playoff teams. We need 30. Everyone should be invited to the tournament because you're all great teams and then, you know, who gives a shit about the 162? Just, you know what? Make the whole season a tournament. That's what it used to be. The whole season used to be a tournament. The best team in the American League and the best team in the National League, when they weren't even associated yet, they were just two different leagues. They were just two different leagues. They played by the same rules, but they weren't connected yet. The, The rules of baseball. The rules of baseball. And then they decided, oh, wouldn't that be cool? Because there's people that say National League's actually a better league. And there's people that say, well, actually, the American League's the superior team. You know what? Let's have them play at the end of the year. Ooh, that'll be fun. We can make some money off that. (laughs) And that too. But it wasn't, in essence, a tournament. It was play your 148 games. That's the tournament. And whoever has the best record is going to play against the other league. And then we'll see who's the best. Why do they play so many games in baseball? Money. Money, money. money. Right. Isn't it funny to think when they were playing 148 games and getting on a bus and a train and just playing all summer, no matter how hot it is? Playing them as much as they could. That wasn't enough. They're like, eh, 148's cool. They're on planes now. We've optimized the travel schedule. Yeah. Let's get it to 154. And then eventually... Yeah, 162. What a nice number. I, I At least they've stuck to 162 for a while. But I would have no problem <laughs> well, with... Sta- expanded playoffs. We're just keeping... We can keep increasing the, the number of games that are played every year. Well, it, well, absolutely. Let's say... Let's put the magic wand in your hands and you get uh, 10 years. 10 years of this rule. How many games do you play? What do you like? What oh, number do you like? I think if you're going to expand the playoffs, you have to shrink the regular season. I would agree with and that. And I, I know that this is problematic for stats. I get I get that, but I I you don't care. No. I don't want them to change it, but if you're going to expand the playoffs, you have to shrink the regular season. Okay. Why is that important to you? Because you said it. Baseball's supposed to be over like <laughs> by Halloween. You know, I mean like we can't be playing yeah. into the winter time. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I when I read uh, the old baseball books, something I'm always fascinated by is the season doesn't start at the end of March and it doesn't start at the beginning of April. It starts in mid-April and there's World Series highlights in mid-October. So they were able to squeeze all that in. You know how they were able to do it? Double headers. That's one of the ways that they were able to squeeze it into the best months of the year, theoretically, weather-wise. But why did they stop doing double headers? Two reasons, I think. For one, the owners had a really hard time making as much money because now people are getting two for one. And the players didn't like it because it increases their risk of of injury. So double headers are only thrown into the game if you absolutely need them. And so that's also going to cut down on days off. We're going to see a lot of double headers this year uh, because of the shortened season. Oh, right. And I also heard a rumor that they will kick people out after game one, and <laughs> yeah. you need to have two tickets yeah, they're for doing two that. games. They've been doing that for a day. while now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no longer can you go to the park and watch both games. They kick you out. Let me ask you about this one as a consumer and a fan. 
at some point they switched ticket sales to, you know, as an example, Giants Dodgers are going to cost more than Giants whoever, Diamondbacks. What do you think about that? What's the word I'm looking for in the um, the, the correct pricing? Or Well, that's just capitalism. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, I guess. Yeah. So if you... That's supply and demand. It's like this it, is a more valuable the product. Demand, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have I don't really have too much of an opinion on it cuz I guess tickets are going to be this is this is a a price point that fluctuates and is dependent on secondary markets, especially in San Francisco. It's not it's just until COVID that San Francisco stopped pretending that every game was a sellout for mm. a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> The people who run the park were were on this kick where they had the longest oh, this streak of sellouts. It was so gross. But by the end of it, they were just you would see dudes walking around the street with just stacks of tickets selling them for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a park that you're looking around, and this is a packed bell, and up on the jumbotron, they're claiming in big letters with exclamation right, marks another sellout, and you're looking around going, "This isn't even close." <laughs> I could count 5,000 seats from my seat. Yeah. Ding, 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 Well, they sold all the tickets. We did it again. They sold all the tickets. Yeah, it doesn't mean the same. It's not the same as a packed house. No, it's not. A sellout and a packed house are not the same. No. But yet it sounds good and it creates demand for future ticket sales for someone to say, you'll never get into that. Yeah, they sell out out every game. game. They've been selling out every game for blah, 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 blah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting to the heart of this. (laughs) Which is baseball's a business. Baseball, we're coming it's for you. Proving, we see your tricks. <laughs> it's proving itself to be a business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But stupid gimmicky stuff like that just that just lessens my interest. Cause I'm looking for something authentic and genuine when I'm talking about baseball. That's the experience I want. I don't want gimmicks. I don't want well, the DH. I don't want Yeah, but aren't you looking for something that's authentic in every fabric of life? Sure. Because it's hard no, to find. No, no, no. There's, there's some things that are not sacred, like baseball. Baseball is sacred. Like a new video game that comes out. I don't care if they make radical changes to it. I'm open-minded about that. Yeah. It's not sacred. It's just some new game that came out. Maybe one day it'll become one of the greats. But there, that's, there's very few video games that fall s- into that category. It needs to stay, stay sacred. just so fake all right good luck i don't give a rat's ass you cannot hit me Right. I'm just trying to shine a light on how stupid this is. This is <laughs> this is what always happens to us. You get talking about baseball, you wi- you wind me up and I start getting Tupac into there. <laughs>